Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday. If you missed the first hour, you can find it on the Lesh Hog Tires podcast after the show. Fan text lines 55305. Hater 11 is coming up at 1030, and we'll get into the last dance here Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, but um, I did want to bring this to your attention. The MLB came out with their protocols, their rules, their proposals for how they're going to deal with bringing the sport back. Uh, By the way, I don't believe the players have agreed yet to their plan because they're upset about a revenue sharing thing and a salary cap that doesn't exist in baseball because they're trying to make some money back for the lost money. But uh, the athletic got part of the document that was sent out to teams about how they're going to handle bringing the sport back. Uh, I'm just going to kind of, there's a lot of little bullets here, but I just kind of want to read through some of them. We'll stop and kind of react as we keep going. Um, Regular testing for all players, managers, coaches, and umpires, plus a limited number of essential staff members who come into close proximity with players. That's to be expected, right? You know, all of these sports that are coming back are testing every single player every single time. Um, still wish we had more tests for everybody else, but, you know, uh, can't, I guess beggars can't be choosers, right? I guess not. Um, they're going to have, uh, they're going to monitor developments and testing to have the better tests, uh, so on and so forth. Okay. Um, all players must undergo intake screening upon arriving at spring training. The screening will take place at multiple locations and at staggered times. It will consist of a temperature check with a contactless thermometer and body fluid and blood samples. Um, uh, Individuals who are tested must self-quarantine at his or her spring training residence until the results of the testing are reported, likely within one to two days. Um, I I know some people who are not super thrilled with the temperature screening thing as a whole. 
um, where like you walk into a building and they check your temperature before you're allowed to go in. I have a friend who says like if the gym's reopened, but the gym is forcing him to check his vitals before he's able to go to the gym, he's not going to go to the gym. He's like, I'm paying money to go there. I feel like you shouldn't be taking my temperature. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with that take, but uh, I think there are some people out there that are like, look, man, I, you don't need to check my, I know I'm not sick. Like you don't need to check my temperature. I think that's uh, that's something that some people are kind of upset about or at least uncomfortable about. No, yeah, I think that's it's one of those things. Like I, I went to a, a grocery store the other day and I was stopped at the door because I didn't have a mask. And they were like, "Well, you need to come. And you need everybody needs to wear a mask if you're going to come in." And initially, I was kind of like, "Huh?" But then I was like, "Oh, well, okay." I have a bunch of them in the car, so I just went ahead and got one. But if this is the way that during this during this period that people are going to feel comfortable or that you're going to be able to gain. Uh, admittance to something, then what's the problem? Just go ahead and let them take your temperature. I think people don't want to find out a lot of ways that, you know, that they might be sick. And so I think that's what it is. I think there's a little bit of fear in between there. It's like, well, what if they tell me I'm, I'm, I got the, I have a temperature or I have COVID and I have to go get things checked out. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to deal with that at this point. So I can, I can, I can understand. Part of me can understand. But the other part of me is like, if this is what it's going to take, for now, you know, for you to get back to normal, if for you to get back to your normal routine, as far as lift, you know, going back to the gym or lifting or going whatever public place, like if that's the the entrance fee is to let them swipe your forehead to get, I mean, go ahead and do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care about it. If you want to take my temperature, at, what is it, a point eight second inconvenience while they hold up the thermometer to your head or to your ear and just beep. I mean, okay, you can. You can do that so I can go work out. That's fine. Although this text, I think it's mostly in jest. What if you're hungover and they think you got the rota? <laughs> well, you might not be going to the gym if you're hungover anyway, unless you're trying to sweat it all out. Communal water and sports drink coolers are prohibited. Only personal water or individually prepared sports drinks, bottles, or contactless water dispensers with disposable cups should be used. No spitting, no smokeless tobacco, no sunflower seeds in restricted areas. Any physical interaction, such as high fives, fist bumps, and hugs, must be avoided at all facilities. Makes sense. Um, I think that's going to be the toughest thing for a lot of players is, I mean, this is all sports, but, I mean, you think of baseball, you think of guys in a dugout chewing seeds and spitting and tobacco, and it's just, like, part of the sport. Um, that's not going to be allowed. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to see guys fail at following that for, you know, time times here and there. But... That is uh, that is one that's gonna that's gonna be probably pretty strictly enforced because that's how bodily fluids leave your body. Yes, indeed. Um, increased availability of hand washing and hand sanitizing stations, and uh, after each half inning, players and other on field personnel should wash or sanitize their hands. So they're gonna have a station somewhere in the dugout, and basically, as everyone comes off the field, keeping their distance, of course, just they're gonna get a little squirt of hand sanitizer. Which okay, sure. Thanks, mom. It's awkward, I guess, but yeah, right. And like the team mom just got a, you know, sanitizer and some some cuties for everybody after we're done. Ooh, That'll be fun. I still like cuties. Cuties are good. They're delightful. Um, lockers should be six feet apart. If not possible, clubs should erect temporary clubhouse or locker facilities, in unused stadium space. Um, the use of indoor batting cages is discouraged. Uh, pitchers will use a personal set of baseballs during bullpen sessions. There's there's so much, man. Um, there's also the big key here is they have so many little notes of how balls are going to be replaced during the game, but they're kind of vague. They keep saying, like, 
after multiple players touch the ball. But what is multiple players? On a regular pitch, the pitcher and the catcher touch the ball every single pitch, right? Um, sometimes the batter will touch it if he picks the ball up, although I'm assuming they'll be told not to do that. The umpire often will touch the ball. Um, you know, I don't know if ball boys are going to exist in this world of baseball at the moment, but a ball boy will touch the ball. That's already two to four people on a normal pitch. How about a grounded to a double play? Pitcher touched the ball. Catcher may have touched the ball if they haven't replaced it yet. Third baseman touches the ball. Second baseman touches the ball. First baseman touches the ball. That's five people. Is that too many? That's a lot of people. That's multiple people. That's half the team. Right. Half is the there, team has touched the ball. So how exactly? How, how you, are they going to manage that? That to me is out of all of these. And by the way, I skipped about 30 things on this list. There was about 100 things that were put out in this athletic article. That to me is the key of if you're trying to minimize the amount of people sharing the same baseball, how are you going to best maximize that or most efficiently maximize the amount of people touching it that doesn't uh, risk sickness, right? That's a really big ask for a sport that's trying really hard to plow their way through this and return in July. So that to me was the big one where I was like, really, that's, that's your answer. I don't know what they're going to do with that. No, I, I still think there's a lot of stuff to figure out. Like all these things sound good. And, you know, I guess you, you're thinking about getting one step closer. So they all sound great. But again, once you start going over it, like how, how do you, am I supposed to stop the play after the third person has touched the ball after the fourth person has touched? Is that, does that mean the, the play is dead and they're deemed safe or what, like how, do, how does that work? And so I think that's, it's, are you going to make all the players wear gloves? I mean, they could possibly go to, like, everybody's got to wear some type of baseball glove, some type of football glove. I don't think that's going to happen. But... I don't either, but, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. Well, one thing I was just thinking of instinctually that happens in baseball is after a strikeout going around the horn, the catcher has the ball, tosses it down to third, third baseman throws it to second baseman, second baseman to short, to first, back to the pit. And it's like that will be discouraged according to the rules. Exactly. But that's just <laughs> something that's instinctual that happens in baseball. Yeah, how often will the catcher throw it down the third and go, oop? Exactly. And they're they're gonna have to stop them. Oh well now hold up, hold up. All right, get that ball. Stop throwing it. Stop throwing the ball. Okay. Are we good? All right. All right. New ball. Okay. Continue play. And that's just something that literally catchers do that like right after they get the pitch and the strikeout is called, just they fling it down to third base and it's just like you that's something that is somewhat of a tick to them and they can't stop that. Question. Maybe this is a stupid question. If all the players, umpires ball boys, et cetera, were tested. All of them don't have the coronavirus. Do you need to have such strict restrictions on who touches the ball if all of them that day were proven to be healthy? Is that a stupid question? Or is that a legitimate question? No, it makes if sense. They're, if they're all healthy and they've all been tested and they're not, and it it's that day, it it's not like a day has passed, does that matter? Or mm -hmm. is that more of a, this is a, uh, it makes everyone feel safer and it's reducing sharing of any germs, right? I mean, I guess the other the other question with that is not all the tests have proven to be 100% accurate, right? There's a there's a pretty stark chance that you can test negative and still have it, which is upsetting. But mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming baseball will have the better tests. I don't know. Are there better tests? I'm assuming there are. Um, 
but I guess maybe that's the risk is like, we don't know for sure if you're healthy because you can get a false negative or a false positive for that matter. So maybe that's the answer. But if they're all healthy, that does seem a little bit weird. Cause like in soccer, right? We're watching soccer right now. They're doing all these social distance things, right? The subs are not sitting on the bench. They're sitting six feet apart in the stands. They're all wearing masks. Most of the coaches are wearing masks, but the game has started. I'm assuming all these players have been tested. They're tackling each other. They're near each other. There's, you know, I'm assuming spit and bodily fluids all over the field. I mean, but they're all healthy, supposedly. So, you know, they're not really stopping the players from getting close to each other or the, or the ref from getting close to them. So it's a that's kind of a weird kind of middle ground to me where it's like, if they're healthy, then why do you need to restrict so many things during the game? Yeah, that's my big – and that's that's kind of my question was was yours. Like, why does – if if you know everybody's healthy before coming into the situation, coaches – trainers everyone else why the need to do all the extra like now you're changing the game you know there might be science behind it saying that it could is it airborne i mean no but it could it stays in the air um after like someone walks by the droplets they always say the droplets but um i i don't i don't know that is that is a weird maybe there's a science behind that but you know that that is a weird thing to me if you're all being tested then you should probably just play the sport Right. Yeah. If you're all fine, but I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Neither of us are, but uh, this text says you'll need hand sanitizer dispensers and dugout to hit the field. Ums players, ground crew, Purell up, <laughs> but check the Astros one for oily substances to doctor the ball. <laughs> yes. Do not let, do not let people forget that the Astros are cheating scum. Okay. They're getting away with this. Cause there's not going to be any fans to boo them at every single park they go to. Next year, when baseball's back with fans, you boo the Astros every single time. Make them remember that they're cheating a-holes. Okay? Okay. All right, let's take a break. Let's get a little last dance in before we get to hate it or love it. This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten nineteen here on your Sunday morning, Mike Rashad Joe with you here. Five five three zero five is the fan text line. Last dance wraps up tonight. Last two episodes. Last dance of the last dance, huh? Hey, hey play on words. You guys hear it? It's so funny. <laughs> I'm often told that um, you're the songbird of your generation. That's what you're often told. That's a real thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's real. Um, but last week's episodes, I have a question based on last week's episodes. And I feel like I'm the only person who has thought this or asked this because everybody when talking about this scene was like, oh, my God, it was the greatest scene. It was such a great scene. And it was. I mean, it was the scene I'm talking about is the very end of the, the eighth episode, how it ended. Or was it the seventh one? I can't remember which one it was um, where Michael Jordan gets emotional and he starts crying while he's talking. And he's, he's, he's uh, I think we actually might have the clip, Joe, if you could maybe find it. I don't know what I would have put it under, but MJ, maybe Jordan emotional or MJ emotional or something like that. I don't know. Jordan uh, crying like a little bee. <laughs> um, he, he's talking about, his style of play. He's talking about his style of leadership and his way of practicing. And he gets emotional 
Uh, we do have the clip. All right, let's just play it. This way, I don't need to explain it. When people see this, uh, they're going to say, well, he wasn't really a nice guy. He may have been a tyrant. Oh, well, that's you, because you never wanted anything. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. Break. Apparently that happened within the first couple of hours of them talking, and he'd talked for like 10, 15 hours with Michael Jordan. So that was very close to the surface. Um, so I watched that. It was a cool moment. It was a very cool end to an episode. It was a good cliffhangery kind of thing. Am I the only one who was confused as to why he was crying about it? Like everybody, everybody was like, oh my God, Michael Jordan is so emotional. And look at this. He feels a certain way. And I'm like, cool. Like, I don't mind that. But why was he crying about saying the way he played? And if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. Why was that so emotional to him? I just thought I couldn't figure it out myself. And maybe I'm an idiot. Well, I am, but maybe that maybe I'm just not understanding it. But I just thought it was a weird time to show that level of emotion when so far we haven't seen a lot of that from him, at least in the documentary. I agree. I was it was well, and I kind of only had like maybe a, a one answer that can kind of maybe sum it up is um, when you spend a lot of time perfecting something, trying to be great at something, um, that's all that matters to you is the pursuit of that greatness, you know? And uh, you guys have heard me say it before. Like, uh, if you saw uh, Kobe's Muse documentary that he did a few years ago, uh, one of the things he said was he was just so focused on being the best that nothing else mattered. Like, friends didn't matter, hanging out with other people. You see, Kobe, once he stopped playing, now he's a, a guy that people want to be around. Now he's somebody people want to hug. You see, once Jordan stopped playing, now he's a guy that people embraced all of a sudden. You know, our players embraced because when they were playing, it was like, uh, there's Mike and then there's, you know, everybody else. And I just kind of feel like Jordan sacrificed so much to be the best. And he looked at his teammates like, if I'm giving this up, if I'm doing this to be the, the best, why aren't you doing this to be the best? Why can't – and everybody's looking at me saying I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an a-hole. I'm this because I'm trying to push everybody to be better. But – Man, if you, I, I think that was the big thing for him. It was like, man, I've been trying to be at this level up top. And if people aren't trying to push themselves to be in this level up top, then what am I doing this work for? And if you don't want to play like that, then don't play like that. But I think he's given his entire life, and he's so great because he spent his whole world playing like that. Do Being, you think that that is a statement at all to the players of the current generation? Do you think he said that if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way more to the current stars or is that him responding to critics of his style um like is he a taking a shot or probably is he a, just responding probably a little bit of both you know for a long time what, what do we hear about jordan um he's a great player but he's a ball hawk right selfish player you know in a lot of ways you know made players you know made players better but then people will kind of say well who did he make better because who was better after jordan left you know, who who became outside of Scottie Pippen, who was already a great talent. Like, name a player that after he left Jordan was better off for it. It it you know what I mean? It it doesn't it doesn't really happen like that. And so I think there was a little 
bit of, you know, kind of some built up frustration and, you know, just saying that I played harder than everybody. And if they don't want to play like that, then don't blame me for being this, this, this dictator mm. or this taskmaster. So, like, so you think the reason he got emotional be, was because people dislike Michael Jordan because he was like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I think, I'm asking that as an honest I, question I think, because I'm trying could, to, I don't mind that he got emotional over it. I'm just trying to understand why it happened. Like, you know, I, I expect him to get emotional over his father passing away or winning the titles or this or that. But I just thought I was just confused. And no. that's why I, so maybe, maybe that's why, cause he gets blamed for being a bad person where he's just saying, I mean, it, it wound up being the right thing to do, right? We won six titles. Yeah, it was, I think that's what it was more than anything. Like for, at least for me, cause I had to watch that scene a few times. Cause I was kind of like, what's the, what's the emotion for it? Like, that's all, like you said, it's an odd time to be emotional. Just talking about the way you played. But if you're Jordan, like the way you played and a lot of people's eyes was viewed as selfish and was viewed as, you know, you're a bad teammate because you punched key Steve Kerr. You're a bad teammate because you said these bad things about your your big men or the people that couldn't do stuff for you. And it's like, man, if you can't get on my level of competition and competitiveness, then I don't need you here. And I think that was you heard Scott Burrell say, man, Jordan pushed us all to that level. But he forgets that he's the only one that can do some of these things. Like, and I think that was Jordan's big thing. He. <laughs> there is a video and it's a it's like a an, I think it's an how-to video from Michael Jordan about playing basketball right how to like an old VHS yeah and so there's a there's a there's a spot where he's talking about shooting a jump shot an effective jump shot and Jordan literally says spread your fingers make sure the middle finger is you know kind of parallel to the rim bend your knees bend your elbows and, and it should go in every time <laughs> oh <laughs> thank thank you Michael Jordan greatest player of all time you know like for him it didn't register that he could do these things for him. It was up fake with the hand, get you out, look fake behind the back. It's so easy for him. He doesn't think twice about it, but for everybody else that takes a whole, whole lot of work. The 10,000 hours. Yeah. Thing. And I think Jordan didn't understand that, man, I'm just a physical presence or physical freak at this time that the NBA has never, ever seen. Why can't you do this? You, you can't float in the air for 16 seconds. Huh? That's weird. You're a weird guy. You can't jump from the free throw line to the rim and, and dunk a ball. And I think that was his big thing. It was like, man, it's just, oh man, yeah, you why you can't shoot, can't make a last minute jump shot. That's easy. I do that all the time. I do it in my sleep. I, I will say because he said it in that clip, and there was a an article written that Jordan was worried about how people would view him after this documentary. To me, I view him better than I did before uh, because I'm seeing him as a human. All I've seen is Michael Jordan, the robot, amazing basketball player, right? The one who pushes himself and pushes his teammates and all that kind of stuff. Seeing him in these interviews, hell, making fun of other players, laughing at Gary Payton, which was a great clip, by the way. <laughs> I don't have no problem with the glove. <laughs> no, Just like dying laugh. Like, I like that more because he's showing a human side. So, yeah, okay. I mean, I I would not be the kind of person he was on the court if I was playing basketball. I wouldn't be you know, the Michael Jordan type of leader, but does I like the fact that I'm seeing the human side of him. So I'm not having a tarnished image of him. If anything, I'm having a better image of him because I understand who he is as a person more, right? Seeing that he does have emotions and he does care about certain things and, and he does have a sense of humor and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I like him more because of this documentary. The, the one thing that I'm finding out most about Mike is while a lot of people in the league that played, they always have that guy that's like, 
man, you pushed me so much harder. Every time I played against you, man, I, I just knew I was going to be in for it. Like, there was not a person that he talked about en route to his championships that he was like, the only thing he ever said was Detroit. The Pistons made me stronger. They made me have to do this. They made me have to lift weights. They made me have to figure out how to tough through those things. That's the only compliment he ever gave anybody through there. Outside Actually, of that, he gave Clyde a compliment. He, he said, said Clyde was a good player, but I was, what did he say? I was offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, he was offended that somebody put him in the same what he, But what he said was, he goes, that's not to say Clyde wasn't a threat. He was a threat, but I was offended that they put us in the same class. That was like a backhanded compliment, right? Like, no, he was a threat because he just basically laughed at Gary Payton saying, Gary Payton, I have no problems that, with you. He did that with everybody. You know, yeah. like it was like Clyde, like for real, Clyde Drexler, and I was just talking to you about this, man. Look at those playoff numbers from 1992. That man was amazing for three series up until he got to Chicago. I think he maybe just ran out of ran out of air at that point. Couldn't do anything. But for three series, Clyde Drexler was by far and away the best player in the NBA playoffs that year. It, there's not a question until he got to the finals and played against Jordan and kind of ran out of gas. Jordan said, again, I was offended that Clyde was in the same conversation as me. Didn't give Barkley a compliment. Barkley pushed him, you know, to six games. It was like, yeah, Charles is a good player. But talked about Gary Payton and laughed at the fact that Gary Payton says, yeah, I just, just getting tired. Just go out there and defend Mike. Gary Payton, one of the great defenders of all time, nicknamed the glove because his defense was so good. And Jordan scoffed at the idea that didn't have the will to win the championship. <laughs> Gary Payton. <laughs> that he didn't have a peer. That's the thing about Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Up until in the 1990s, there wasn't one guy that you could say that, yeah, that's Jordan's rival. When they play each other, they go at it. Man, John Starks, oh no. Well, Reggie Miller. Patrick Ewing. Reggie John Miller. Starks oh. <laughs> but John Starks wasn't the one. I mean, Red, or excuse me, uh, Patrick Ewing wasn't the one guarding Jordan. Yeah, I John know, Starks but is getting. Let's not call John alive. Starks the best player no, on that but team. But that's what I'm saying. But, uh, but he was one of the three. He was a top three player on that team. Yeah, he was great. You know, but he was good. He, and that's what, and that's the saying. He I was guess good. he was above that. Reggie right? Miller was as close to great as it got in the Eastern Conference, not named Michael Jordan. And Reggie Miller is really good. I mean, I, is he, it, it, Reggie Miller is great. Is he greatest of all time? No. But he's. He's really, really good. And that was the thing. Like, Jordan didn't have a peer. The closest he got was Malone. And Malone was, you know, number two all-time or number, what, three now? You say, we'll learn more about the Jazz tonight. Yeah, and that's that's outside of Malone and Stockton, I don't think anybody's going to get love. So I'm curious of how much he's actually going to give love to those guys. Uh, text from our drinking game friend. LeBron does not have the will to win a championship like Mike did. No, he does not have the will to win the championship like Mike did. That's why Mike has more. Because he had the will to win the championship. Yeah. Did I mean, he have a will to win a championship? I, I saw one. You saw what? A will to win a championship. Hmm. Good. Good, good, good. That bottle right. of champagne better be gone. It better be gone. All right. Well, they could be taking small sips, I suppose. But you shouldn't be taking small sips. Okay. Let's uh, get to hate it or love it next. And then uh, we will wrap up the last half hour of the show. But first, Joe has Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. If it's your first time listening, it is a 
competition segment. Joe will pose a question, a query, a interesting topic. We have to hate or love it. And then uh, we get awarded points, and the winner gets to host the last segment. So, Joe, is it all sports today? Do we have any non-sports today? What do we got? All sports. All sports. Well, let's hear it. All sports. We are first going to start with Major League. As mentioned, they released a very long, convoluted, confusing, I don't know if it's going to be able to happen, rules and protocols to get play underway for the 2020 season and protect players and staff and everybody from COVID-19. But as mentioned, there is a lot of gray area in there. Uh, Listen back to us talk about it on the podcast once it's posted. But um, basically, after looking at all these rules and everything that they would need to do, uh, yes, the MLB could technically start, but I wonder if it's going to last. So I ask you fellas, hate it or love it, the MLB will return, but we'll have to close down soon after. Um, Meaning that something, you know, this the situation will arise and we're going to be like, you know what? We can't pull this off anymore. Shut her down. I'm going to say love. I don't know if it's going to shut her down like permanently. I think it might be a temporary shutdown, a two or three week hiatus to go to wind up going back to do it. I was going to say we could look at the sports that are starting now and try to make some sort of comparison to how the MLB is going to do, because remember, it's only May 17th. And the MLB is starting their season in early July, which, by the way, the players have still not yet to agree to the to the contract they've put out there. But I was going to say, like, let's see what goes on in Germany, right? Bundesliga starting. What's going to happen in two weeks? Are there going to be players that are testing positive? Or are they going to be doing that? But you can't really use that as an example because Germany is having a different situation than the U.S. is having. Um, it's tough to use NASCAR as an example because... They're all in cars, right? I mean, there are people that are going to be in groups together, but it's going to be different than baseball. Baseball's kind of going to be the guinea pig in this because the NHL hasn't started. The NBA hasn't started back up again. Football doesn't start until September, late August anyway. So I could see baseball starting, having all of these rules in place, having all of these protocols you have to follow, but somebody's going to do something, go somewhere, come in contact with somebody through traveling or through ignoring the rules um, and it's going to cause someone to get it. Now, the MLB has said that one person getting the coronavirus is not necessarily going to shut the league down, but I'm not sure that's actually going to be able to be true because imagine the public pressure of someone getting coronavirus and them saying, yeah, okay, that guy's quarantined for 14 days and we're going to check these guys, but we're still going to play. You think that's going to go over well? You think people are going to be like, wait, 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 wait. We're trying to reduce the number of cases and you're just going to let all these players play and do all the things where they're near each other and you're going to try contact tracing and not stop it. I could see that causing a real issue where they would fold the pressure and just shut down for two weeks or whatever the case is. So as much as I don't want to say love, I'll say love. They'll come back and then have to stop at some point. Um, hmm. <sighs> that's hard. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say love as well. Um, just because there's still just too many moving parts. Baseball teams have how many people on the roster? Uh, In this list, 30? they said for spring training, there can be 50 players. 50 players on a roster. They, you know. didn't, they didn't say who would be allowed to be on the active roster, which is normally 25. They were saying 30. 
because there's going to be more injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, somewhere, just imagine 25 to 30 players. Yeah. Okay, so let's just go ahead and say there's 30 players on the team. Uh, and in most cases, we're talking about millionaires. It's big money in baseball. So these dudes have money. So their opportunity for them to be social and be out is, man, a lot higher than ours. You know, a lot of us that don't go out right now, not because uh, we don't want to. A lot of it is because we can't do some of the extravagant things that, you know, you probably should be able to do if you have money. So uh, a lot of these guys are going to be out. They're going to be moving. Baseball is one of those sports that's, um, you know, more than any other sport, it's a team sport. It requires a lot of, not requires, but there's a lot of man togetherness. There's a, the clubhouse is uh, a much different place than any, than a football uh, locker room or a basketball locker room. These guys, it's almost like a, a kind of a, what's a, like a little league type of feel a lot of times in the clubhouse. So there's always a lot going on. I think, like Lynch said, man, um, there's going to be people that go out. There's going to be people that do stuff. I'm not so much worried about the product on the field because I believe if you're safe, if you get tested for Corona, then... You don't have anything to worry about. Baseball is the ultimate social distancing sport. Outside of the outside of the uh, the catcher and the umpire and the batter, like everybody else is at least uh, 90 feet apart. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere around there, so you don't have to worry too too much uh, about that whole thing. But yeah, I do think that's gonna there's gonna be something to happen. One or two people from a team are gonna get sick, and to prevent spreading to trainers to you know other people that may work for the for the team, I think they might just shut down. Uh, they can't, they can't shut down a team because then you have another team that won't be able to play said team in between there. So I think they wouldn't have a choice but to shut down the league for a couple, another month or so or however long. Well, good luck, MLB. We're, we're pulling for you. And tonight are the final episodes of The Last Dance. We'll go through this one quickly. As expected, there should be a lot of people watching, but hate or love it, the last episode will pull at least 10 million viewers. Uh, hate. That's a, that's an easy hate for me. Uh, I think this is just generally what happens with documentaries, not necessarily TV shows, but documentaries. Um, the numbers just slowly go down because you get the most interest early on and then you get a bunch of people hanging on through it, but people drop off here and there. The numbers have been actually staying startlingly high for all the episodes, but they've been slowly dwindling, slowly. It's a little bit reducing every single episode. So no, I'm, I mean, 10 million would be almost double what the average has been for the episodes. I'm going to say hate for that one. I can see some more people tuning in tonight because they know it's the last one. But I mean, when it started, it was the most hyped thing and it had six mil. So I think it'll have somewhere between five or six million tonight just because of that. Um, it's not it's not like a a huge confluence of a long series where like everyone's watching the last episode of MASH where everyone's watching the last episode of Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. It's like, yeah, it's a documentary and you'll be able to watch it again once it's done and it's, you know, it's going to be different. So I'll say hate. I'll say it'll be five to six mil. Uh, I'm looking at something here that was uh, from the NBA official release. This is on May 4th. So this is, mind you, this is like two weeks ago. But every episode, um, let's see. It says right here. Um, episodes one and two have averaged uh, the minute audience of 13 million point and 13.1 million. I don't know. That's what it says right here. I didn't make it up. It In the first right episodes? It says episodes I was just one and two. I was looking at Wikipedia, yeah. and that was not what it said. Yeah, it says episodes one and two got 13, oh, uh, 13 million people. So I know things have kind of fallen off since then, but I can imagine because this is the Episode end of the one had 5.73 million U.S. viewers. Ah, U.S. So, viewers. Ah. So, uh, uh, so I believe, like, you know, these last couple episodes, especially as you're talking about 
wrapping up the Jordan legacy, wrapping up the legacy of the greatest championship of all time, greatest championship team of all time, wrapping up the legacy of the greatest coach of all time, the greatest number two of all time. Like, this is one of those things I think a lot of people are going to, you know, look for this. And then you're talking about Jordan's last shot. You're talking about the flu game uh, um, uh, that you're going to talk about at this point. You're talking about, uh, obviously, facing the, the Jazz twice in between there. And the Pacers. And the Pacers. You're maybe even talking about Jordan coming out of retirement, Pippen going to the Blazers and some of those things. Those are all going to be within the last two hours of this documentary. So, yes, I do think they're going to get record-breaking thing, especially this is the last series, this is the last type of series, anything that ESPN or anybody else has, anybody else has, not just ESPN, anybody else has. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a record-breaking night. I'm wearing my Jordans. I'm ready. I don't understand the numbers because I'm looking at total viewers and it says 7 mil for the first episode. Yeah, I'm reading this thing. It's just on NBA.com. So it's probably legit. Yeah. So it says after a record-setting initial audience, including viewer uh, viewing oh. episodes one and two, now have average minute audience of thirteen million. That's and so 13. weird. Thirteen point one million. God. Okay. I don't understand numbers. Um, all right, Joe. Me Do we have time for one more? Yes. All right. Quentin Dunbar, obviously in some trouble. He turned himself in after the felony charges that he caught on Thursday. Um, so, I mean, just plain and simple. Obviously, the the case has to work itself out, but hate it or love it, Quentin Dunbar will never wear a Seattle Seahawks jersey. I'm going to say hate on that one because apparently there's like five witnesses who are saying it wasn't him who was doing this. Um, the other guy, the Giants player, also turned himself in. It seems like misinformation was spread from this party. You know, when you first see the story, you're like, oh, my God, what are these people? What are these guys doing? Like... You're in, I know that there's, you're in your off season, but come on, you just signed a big deal to go to the Seahawks and what are you doing? Um, I'm kind of just going to wait and see how this pans out because I don't know if this is something that I've noticed more just because I'm paying attention to it or maybe it's happening more, but um, the amount of times that the story will change after the initial accusation, the initial allegations is, is going up in these kind of situations. Um, you know, the maybe someone was mad at these two players and maybe they did do something wrong. But uh, maybe they instigated a fight or there was something going on. But for both of them to have like alleged robbery and the story was that it was like at a friend's party and it was not like they just broke into someone's house. And it was like, uh, this is weird. And the fact that the lawyer came out for Dunbar and said, everyone we've talked to has said that it wasn't him who did it. He did nothing wrong. There's something different going on here with what the initial report was. So I'll say, hey, he will play for the Seahawks because they'll find him innocent of the bad crime that's bro, what i'll say bro nfl needs to come back soon these dudes are out here doing dirt man like, <laughs> man ed oliver uh quentin uh quentin dunbar deandre baker like these dudes are out here tripping right now so again like lynch said man we are, there, there were multiple people that come out and said man dunbar didn't have anything uh to do with that but just to be in a situation to where people would say you had something to do with that isn't the best look for you um i do think nfl players more than any other sport get the biggest pass in the world when it comes to this stuff like if this had been an, an nba or maybe even major league baseball player we had really talked about this guy and possibly you know is he going to be is he good for the nba is he good for major league baseball like nfl is the one league that man it's almost kind of if you don't have a mugshot, then you're the weird one in the league for not doing that. So I do think he'll play for the Seahawks again. I think they'll definitely make it. When you're good, they'll figure it out. 
and if he were if he were trash, if he were third, fourth string, nobody would care. But the fact is, he's pretty good. So I think this uh, because of that, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks will find a way to bring him back. Valiant closing effort, Rashad. But Michael is your winner. Ugh. All good. All right, one final segment to go. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So I have a question. Answer. Next week is Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Most of the state is open. Are we, like, allowed to go to a different county and do stuff? Like, we're not open. Lake county, Tahoe, I, here I come. I wasn't thinking that extreme, but, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, like, could we go to Hood River or something? Like, could we go to the coast? Are we allowed? I know I, I, I heard I didn't see this, but I heard that Cape Brown said that we shouldn't leave the counties that haven't been opened again. But like, can they enforce that? Like, Are we allowed to do that? Well, I, I feel would... weird about it because it's like my county's not open. I live in Washington County. That's not open yet. But if I go to Hood River County for a day because I want to go, like, do something, anything other than sit in, in my home, then can can I do that? Well, I know that they were saying don't go to restaurants if they're not in your county. Like, if it's in an approved county and you do not live there, do not go. And you shouldn't go. Uh, but all, the, like, the beach counties have been approved for phase one. And people, um, I know that the be- some beaches over in Europe have been reopened and that's one thing that I'm looking looking at before Memorial Day weekend is the beaches. If those are going to be open and allowed and people can mingle and go down there and kick I, it for a few hours or whatever. I mean, granted, the Oregon beaches aren't usually ideal to just sit and hang out there because of the wind and it can get kind of wild. But I don't know. I think I think you're fine. Like, honestly, that I mean, the stuff in your county isn't open, but that doesn't mean that other you can't go to another county. Well, like, right. Hang out like. You drive from where I live. You drive 30, 40 minutes, and you're in wine country, and you're in Yamhill County, right? You're you're telling me I can't go to a winery that's I'm not, open. I'm not saying that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you, as in the general you of the Oregon government. Um, you know, let's say like, so Joe says the restaurant thing, right? Let's say I want to go to Double Mountain next week mm-hmm. on Friday, and I want to go get some beer, and I want to go say hi to a friend, and go to Hood River, and you know. What's going to happen to me? Nothing. I, I, I imagine. Is that okay? Like, if I'm healthy, is that okay? <laughs> because I'm going insane, you d- you just not the, being able to leave my neighborhood. You just said the key words, if I'm healthy. Yeah. If you're healthy, I say yes. You should be able to go, especially if your things in your neighborhood are still kind of shut down. And like in most of our neighborhoods, things are still hella shut down. So, man, absolutely. I say go for it. Like, I mean, I, I told Because I'm taking a four-day weekend next week. I know. I took Friday off. I'm going to take the Sunday show off. We're off Monday. Um, and I'm not just, I don't want to just sit at my house for four days. I don't want to be there for four straight days doing nothing because that's what I've been doing anyway. So, I mean, like, just, right? 
I say do it, man. I think take the hour drive that way. I mean, I think it'd be a great idea. If nothing else, you get a nice drive. You know, even even if you get there and like, oh, we're not having anybody today. He was like, oh well, at least I had a nice drive. Hood River's pretty. Something, yeah. Yeah. You know, walk around. Yeah, I will say that. Take a drive, people that are listening. I mean, like, and listen to us on the radio. Yeah, only us. And um, (laughs) nobody, nobody else. Yeah, go hit the. No, that's a real thing. Just, just this one. Yes. I mean, it's it, it will do a lot for your mental health. All of your taking, presets should say 1080. Yes, and just Sports Sunday and the Hot Corner. And Primetime. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I feel weird about it, you know? That's the weird thing about all of this is a lot of things don't feel right anymore. Like normally, hell yeah, I'll drive an hour to go out to Hood River, go to Freem, go go get some good beer, go to Double Mountain, go to Ferment. Uh, I mean, just, honestly, I would just go and drink beer. But I saw Frames not opening. Uh, I know, well, I haven't seen anything from Double Mountain yet, so I don't know if they're opening actually. But um, the uh, it's just the thought of like, you have a four day weekend, you go do something with it. Maybe I go take a hike or something, I guess. No, I mean, it's one of those things. And I think all of us kind of feel in the same way. It's like, well, should I go do something? Should I get out? I'm telling you this, I'm having a barbecue in my front yard. That'll be fun. I encourage everybody to get out in your front yard and have a social distancing barbecue. That'll be fun. And go see your friends social distance style too. It helps. I did that a couple weekends ago. It was nice to, to see some people and not be in the same general bubble that you've been the entire time. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Last Shot Tire Podcast is where you can find the show if you missed any event and want to listen back to it. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be out next Sunday. It'll be Joe and Rashad here for you, 9 to 11 a.m. Uh, wrapping up the last dance and then talking about whatever else is happening in the sports world and the non-sports world at that point. Uh, So enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you can go do some stuff or at least have some social distance fun or barbecue or whatever it is you want to do. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll keep getting through this like we have been. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you. I'll see you in a couple weeks, but we'll see you next week for the show. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.